Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show, and thank you for being here. The switchboard's going. I got the chat going. I have my Francis and Liam who are here every morning, and then what happens? And Liam is saying that we've done 1,200 shows today. What is cool about that? I'm going to tell you what's cool about that. Today is the 12th of February. I know that sounds weird, but Valentine's Day is in two days, so I'm kind of like aware of the days. So it's cool. So, yeah, 1,200 shows. Wow. That's five years worth of shows, I guess. On March 10th, it will be five years. Five years we have been here doing our thing. And it just is so cool. I'm very happy. I'm very grateful that you guys are here, that we have each other, and we get to talk about the stuff that nobody ever talks about. If you read about it, you are sitting at a computer or reading a book and no other interaction, no explanation to what you're reading. And a lot of emotional health and a lot of emotional turmoil and a lot of emotional growth. And it's a lot because it's going on in our heads all the time. Goes untalked about. Not verbalized to anybody. Especially, especially men. My heart has grown in a way I can't believe towards men. Getting to know them through this work and seeing, and I know it's going to sound funny to say it this way, but seeing how simple their needs are. My needs go in a different direction. Women's needs go in a different direction because women are really nurturers. All that is real, alive and well, and gatherers. And and they bring everything together. They bring everyone together. They take care of. Men do the same thing, believe it or not, even though they're hunters by making sure that the, the, and women are thinking, caring. So when we meet a woman who doesn't care about things, we think, how does she, how, how could she not care? Hey, she doesn't even really take care of her kids. Hey, why don't she just take care of herself? Da, 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 we start talking. And if a man is too soft, we're like, Hey, how is he going to put that together and survive? We just say it. Still, till this day, even with women in the workforce, even with women doing both, even with men doing both. But I found out that men, I like, she asked me for that. And I gave it to her. Now she's really, really mad. And when I asked her why she was mad, she said, well, that was just a test. I got tricked. 
she told me to do something, and now that I did it, she's really, really mad. Just wanted to see if I would. So now I don't trust her. Something changes all of that. Something changes how we are as men, how we are as women, how we are to each other, how we are to ourselves. And that's self-love. That is self-love. How does self-love look like in everyday life? And what does it look like? And I say how along with the what because how is like an action word. And self-love is an action as well as a feeling. We all know when we meet somebody who really understands self-love. Nothing that we thought, we thought they're conceited, they're narcissistic, and the opposite is true. Narcissism is a highly incision in life to be. It is called um, narcissistic personality disorder. It's a disorder a social disorder based on insecurities of needs needs not met in the earliest part of our life. If I if I got to help a group of people, especially men, going back to men, because for some reason we coddle girls and we think boys have to be men and they're just they were just born, for God's sake. Well, they got to learn how to be a man. Going back to how we were taught through the instinctive or stereotypes of what we are projected to be. So what happens, and this is, I asked Christ this morning, so what do I say more about self-love? Come on. But I knew I had to talk about it today. He said, well, everybody starts with self-love through life. It gets attacked or questioned or assumed that it might not be so great to love yourself. Be humble. Be grateful. And so we attached self-love with not being actually a good person at all. And what that left us with was high and dry. We had nothing left to give others because we weren't on the right road of how to give to ourselves. So now we've kind of inched our way back to this fork in the road. And we're walking down the other side and we're trying to reclaim love. And I will tell you, it wasn't an easy road to walk back on. But why? And what does it look like in everyday life? Because once you love yourself, you can love everyone and understand self-love. And when you become aware of it, you will be shocked at how simple and strong it is. So I had this whole 
thing that I wrote literally in three minutes before the show started, and then we reclaim it as we get older. That's why we see older people who are calm, and they are patient, and they listen to you, and they tell you stories, and they are the most valuable conversations you could ever have. They are valuable. And yet, you don't have time to have them anymore. Or even to find older people with all that is morning, all pocketed beautifully so. So how does someone with self-love react when they get attacked by another person? The person's like, uh-uh, that's not true. Uh-uh, don't do that. And they're just chasing you down. Heckle. They want to heckle you. They want to demean you. They want to bring you down. You say, oh, wow, that's who they are. You may choose to participate at times, but if you find out it's an endless road and that's just who they are, then you just say, that's who they are. You don't need to prove anything to anybody for any reason. And you go on. Assumptions. When people make assumptions for you, about you, it's actually a momentary thought that you say, oh, wow, they assumed that about me. Hmm, I wonder why. And if you don't have the opportunity to talk to them or you don't care enough to do so because it's negative and their assumptions are negative. What are you going to go do? Prove that you're, no, you just say, no, they'll come and go. Those things will come and go. And you let it go. How do you deal with anger? Well, you know real anger from simmering anger that's in us and has been unaddressed. So you actually don't need anger anymore the way you used to and you feel that if you are angry it's the situation and not you that you're angry at and it even goes as far as not even at the other person it's the situation if something happened and it momentarily got you very upset that's okay because you know what happens in your mind when you know who you are for whatever reason you say, wow, I have emotions too. And yes, there are things that make me not feel good or I get really mad at. I don't like to see people hurt each other. I don't like, let's say, animals being hurt. I don't like knowing that somebody is going to do something like that. So I will try to intervene and maybe stop the situation from happening. If something does happen and it makes you angry, you deal with it. Not with more anger, but you learn how to diffuse it. I had a situation this weekend, I have to tell you, had I not intervened, half the family would not be talking to the other half. Something happened. One of the family members had a lot of anxiety, didn't want to go to dinner with another family, another two family members, there were three of them. So the one who didn't want to go because he was feeling a great deal of anxiety over going, hey, you know what? 
I'm having a hard time going. I'm feeling a lot of anxiety because when we do have dinner, I keep feeling this really heavy negative feeling. As a result of him feeling that heavy negative feeling, the person he said that to went to the third person and said, well, I want to commit suicide because of this conversation I just had. So the other third person says, oh, well, I'm never talking to so-and-so again, and, and all this anger, all this anger, all this anger, because of person number two's reaction. And they were all responding to the flowing information here, and we're allowed to say how we feel. No one said that. No one questioned, well, why is that person feeling anxious? Are we really negative when we get together? No. It all became about the person who now wanted to kill themselves which they weren't going to do it, but they were saying it. And then the protective one of the group wanted to protect the, the one who wanted to kill themselves and hate and never talk to the one that told the truth. So I'm thinking about this, and I'm getting all these 911 texts, and I am trying. I was at the gym to stay on my little treadmill because it was raining out, and I really wanted to walk. And I thought to myself, well, I'm not going to get off and get sucked also reacting. I'm going to finish, which I still had 45 minutes to go. I do an hour. And I said, you know what? It can wait, but it'll also give me time to think about how can I best help these three people. So I stayed on the treadmill, and my brain is obviously popping all along. But I could have easily gotten sucked into their assumptions of each other, of them feeling like they've all been attacked in one way or another, and they're all reacting, all like, what do I want to say, irons were in the fire when it came to being attacked, assumptions, and anger. And everybody started coming to the table. And thank God that, I know this family, and thank God I had all three of their phone numbers because I had to look for one of them, and I just couldn't remember what I put them under because sometimes I put people under funny names. And I pulled them all up in my phone when I was done, and I sat down, and I just said, hey, thank you in advance for reading this text. was learned today. And imagine after that, who wants to read? Something great just happened. But I said, one of you felt safe enough to talk to all of you and say how they felt. Even though the response wasn't what anyone expected, now we know that there is pain there. But instead of putting anyone under the bus because none of you deserve to be under the bus. The person who said they were anxious now feels so good that they actually said that and the truth is on the table that they feel like they just had a breakthrough. Thank you for having such a severe an unrelenting, you know, response such as wanting to hurt yourself 
which is not okay, but okay for the situation right now, because your response of pain woke up the other one, because all they really wanted to know was that you cared about them. And now they know. And now they want to come and have dinner with you. And they want to talk about it. And I said some more towards the end. And one of the three of them, the one who wasn't going to talk to the other one and was going to protect the other one and took on the mother bear type personality, texted back probably 10 minutes later. And I knew it hit because it took a while for anyone to write me back. And she just said, what a beautiful text. While I was writing it, I could feel the diffusion, it diffusing, because I didn't get caught up in their anger and try to save this one and save that one and only talk to this one and only talk to that one and say, I'll tell this one this and tell that one that and go back and forth. I faced all three of them in one shot. Because I understand the power of understanding and not taking the value of any one of the three parties away. When we have nothing invested in getting something back for what we're doing and we can objectively see that is a power that comes with loving yourself enough to know you don't have to hurt anyone or make anyone feel bad. And it's not a position of weakness, which people look at, ah, you're just so nice. I'm not nice. I'm aware. I'm nice because I have that in me, but I'm aware of what is going on. And I have nothing in me that wants to hurt people who are already hurt. I have faith in them. I know that their thoughts have become things in that situation. And I actually did the opposite of what we normally do. You said what? How could you say that to them? Look what have you did. Know how many times I hear families say that to each other? Because self-love is still going through the questioning part in their minds and in their lives. They have not reclaimed it. And I will do this every single day for the rest of my life in one way or another to build awareness because it's not hard to do you know how to handle understanding through awareness of understanding. Because most of the time we don't understand ourselves enough to know how to step out of ourselves and clean up a mess that can go bigger or can retract or contract, go back to the fork in the road and then repave that road with love, which is all I did. The reason I was able to do that for them is I had to do it for myself to get to reclaiming self-love 
Self-love is one of the quietest strengths we have. And this is what it looks like when it's present. When you feel love, you never hesitate to share it. You don't think, well, I can't let them know how I feel. You let them know how you feel because if somebody doesn't want it, you find out and your life starts to shape itself along the way. How does self-love look when you do that? Well, if you say, hey, you know what? I really care about you. I love that we're friends and they never respond and they never respond and they never respond. There's your answer. If you say that to someone and they say, hey, I love you too, man. That's cool. I'm really happy that we are sharing our lives together. You know to stay because you will say the things that you normally wouldn't say if you didn't feel you deserved it or you were still in question of it. It happens, too, when you put your time towards doing something. If you don't feel anything back, you're trying to do this, and you're like, yeah, I really don't care enough to do this. I hate doing this. But if it's your bills, you'll still do it because you know overall it's going to take care of everything else and help you keep things in order. But if you can't face yourself, what do you do? You pile up the bills and you never look at them. And then you wait until you do it. You end up these here and there and everywhere. And you complain and it just feeds the rage and the anger. It all goes back to how, how, how we behave. That's why I say what does self look like and how does self-love look? But how do you deal with your time? You give yourself time to yourself so that you can reset and program and enjoy and understand your feelings through. You can do that when you're alone. It just happens naturally over time. But you give yourself time. How does it look like in your health? You just don't let your body down. You know that if you do whatever, it's not going to serve you well. Enough to where you say, all right, I know that this isn't okay. I can actually retrain my brain to do things in a way that I feel good about them. So I go for a walk. And then you find out you love going for a walk. And now you're not going to let anyone interfere with that time. It's really interesting. But you just don't let your body down. Because if it all boils down to you either take care of your body and your body gets to stay or you don't and then you're going to have to deal with the problems your body's going to have because it just wasn't taken care of. The body does not lie. It just doesn't. It's really interesting going back and forth all the time, but that's just the bottom line. The other one, how you deal with money. How you spend it changes. And what you spend it on also changes. I had to learn that because all my life, it wasn't like we didn't have money. My parents both worked. My dad worked 
I think at one time, because he also picked up a job as a janitor when he first came here, had four jobs. He worked as a janitor. Supermarkets, if anyone remembers those in the Midwest, I think they went to the East Coast, but he worked there. And then after work there, he went to a bar and cleaned up after the bar closed. And during the day, with limited English, so I don't know how he did this, but he sold door-to-door. And they used to have door-to-door salesmen with suitcases that had in it, like, pot holders and all these little things before we had the other stores. We used to have dime stores at the time, but people usually had one car in the families, and the husband would go to work, and people trusted, and a door-to-door salesman. People used to sell vacuum cleaners door-to-door, and encyclopedias door-to-door, but my dad sold products. He sold, he sold like, potholders and utensils, and I don't know what else they used to sell then, but he did that, and my mom worked three jobs, and we had a babysitter from, like, on. I don't think we used to see my parents regularly at night during the week. But we never needed for anything. And then my dad got smarter as he was in this country longer. And he decided he was going to open up small corner grocery stores. And those were big at that time. And that's how we survived for the rest of our lives with them. So I never had to think about money. So after I saw Christ, all of a sudden, I had to know what that felt like. And boy, did I know what that felt like. To the point where, and I just confessed this to someone the other day, but the whole thing of money exhausted me so much because I did cut back. How I spent it, I didn't have enough of it to spend, so how I spent it really mattered. And if I needed certain things and they weren't critical for years since I saw Christ, I just didn't get it. I learned to live literally on a shoestring. And you know what I found out? In a weird way, I liked it. I finally like broke the code and figured out how to do it. I hated having to borrow money, but I had to know what it was like to receive because I wasn't a good receiver, but I was a great doer. And I learned all those lessons about money. And what happened is once I became okay again, those habits that I learned without money are still my habits. I no longer need what I used to think I needed to feel good or feel okay or feel like I was still thriving. I became very simple. And that was a surprise. And the last one to look at is your environment. You become more organized. Even if it may look disorganized to somebody on the outside, you are comfortable with how you've organized things. You feel like you have a handle and you're okay with it. You don't need to please someone else with how you organize. You just need to know that you're okay within your sense of organization. It's really interesting how we walk and listen and talk better to others with greater understanding and greater awareness, feel when we are attacked or someone's assuming things about us or they come to us with this passive-aggressive anger 
how we deal with anger, what love looks like, how our time looks, how our money looks, how our environment looks, all start to make sense to us in a more functional way when we start to reclaim our right to self-love. And I'm really glad we did the show again because in it, we just are reminded of how cool self-love is. I have 10 seconds. I'll see you guys on Relationship Wednesday. I love you guys. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.